This is Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys. One from each coast, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Ambrogi. Uh, welcome to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. And I'm Craig Williams in sunny Southern California, Newport Beach, where it's sunny here and snow in the mountains. I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Bob? And I'm uh, in Massachusetts, where it is sunny but not quite as warm as California, and I write a blog called Law Sites and another called Media Law. Well, Bob, I don't think it's a stretch to say that some of the most underpaid, underappreciated, and overworked professionals in the legal world are the public defenders. Uh, that's right. Uh, just one example of of, uh, of the plight of public defenders. Uh, a recent news article pointed out that in the state of Missouri, public defenders were assigned an average of 298 cases each last year, and all that for a starting salary of $37,800. That's uh, in striking contrast to a show we did a few weeks ago about uh, skyrocketing first-year associate salaries that are reaching $150,000 a year in some firms. Show me the money! Well, that was Jerry Maguire screaming, show me the money, which is what some of the young associates are doing. Really, as you mentioned, Bob, in very stark contrast to what's happening with public defenders. In this edition of Coast to Coast, we're going to look closely at that system and the challenges and, and uh, problems that they face across the country where the salaries are even worse than you've mentioned in other parts of the country. I understand in Massachusetts it's $35,000, $34,000 in Vermont, and maybe just over 37000 in Florida. Well, our guest today can uh, provide us a lot more information on, on the situation. Uh, I'd like to start by introducing uh, Robert Spangenberg. Robert is the president of the Spangenberg Group in Massachusetts, a nationally recognized research and consulting firm that specializes in improving justice programs. Welcome to our show, Bob. Thanks. And Bob, also with us is Josh Haney. He is in his second year as a public defender in the Boston Trial Unit of the Committee for Public Counsel Services. His cases are primarily in Suffolk Superior Court and the Dorchester Division of the Boston Municipal Court. Welcome to our show, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me. We'd like to welcome, finally, uh, Greg App from Los Angeles. Greg has been a public defender in, the Los, An- in Los Angeles County for 11 years uh, he's uh, one of the few uh, defenders who stayed so long in that office. Uh, Greg, uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Greg, maybe we can start with you. You've got some experience here. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges that, that, that public defenders face these days? Um, you know, the, the really tough thing here in California is the cases are just so serious now, especially when you uh, work felonies. So many cases are punishable by life, uh, and the law is getting worse and worse. The courts of appeals uh, are, are rubber stamps for the prosecution, and the prosecutors really control everything. Um, and, uh, and, and the resources we have are, are good, but they can't compare to what the prosecutors have as resources, and it, it makes life difficult. Well, how is that? How, do the, how, do, how is there an unequal system in terms of resources between prosecutors and defense? It's interesting. Uh, about 20-something years ago, they, they reached an agreement with the county 
that we would have a legal pay, pay parity with the with the district attorneys. So we actually get paid the exact same amount as the DEAs. And the difference is, is that while we have pay parity with the DEAs, um, our budget from the county is really all we get, whereas they get a large amount of federal grants and state grants from different law enforcement agencies. They, they, have, they, have, a, they have a gigantic budget compared to what we have. They have far more resources for, um, for, for, for scientific things and for, for techni- technical things like uh, computers uh, and, and, and uh, just other, the other things that make their jobs easy. And then they have a large amount of law enforcement agencies that support them. With, uh, with 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 their tasks as well. So they, the 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 support that they have, the resources they have, far outstrip what we have. Well, Bob, you recently said that the Missouri public defender system is on the verge of collapse. What do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example. I was out there a couple of months ago, and you mentioned that the starting salary is thirty seven thousand eight hundred, but the largest salary you can make in a public defender office is fifty two four fifty two. And interviewing one uh, experienced public defender, he told me he had two jobs, the job in the office, and he had a nighttime job. And he said, yesterday I saw my client twice, first of all in court, and second of all when I delivered a pizza to his house. Um, I thought that was pretty dramatic. Uh, Most of the lawyers out there do have second jobs. Well, that's pretty striking. So there's not only uh, not, not only are starting salaries low, but they, there's no potential for them ever getting to anywhere no. near a livable wage. They have they have a huge turnover problem. About uh, 100 percent have turned over in five years, and that means they lose their experienced people. and They can't find uh, people to come in laterally with the, with the same amount of experience to hire somebody out of law school, uh, and that makes the job much much tougher. Well, Josh, do you see the same level of turnover in Boston? Yeah, there, there's certainly a lot of turnover here. Um, one of the, the big problems that we're facing in terms of salary out here is that um, public defenders um, and even and DAs make a lot less than any other attorneys paid by any, any other state agency. Um, so, you know, people coming out with the same, same experience, the same amount of law debt, um, wind up making a significant amount less. I mean, we start at 35000 People who work for you know the Department of Education, Department of Social Services, they all start at forty-five thousand. Um, so that's that's one thing that makes it hard to attract people to the public defender's job. The other thing is the way it works in Massachusetts is a lot of court-appointed cases go to private attorneys who are paid on an hourly basis. They can bill for that. Um, and recently, um, the legislature did increase the rates for for those private attorneys. Um, finally, that you know they they got a well deserved raise. They're making um, fifty and sixty dollars an hour, depending on uh, which court they're in. If you work out a um, a first year staff public defender's attorney per salary per hour, we're making about twenty bucks an hour. Actually, you know, nineteen and change. Um, so a lot of people, you know, in in our agency, see an opportunity to to make a lot more money by going out on their own, and then, it, then it's hard to bring new people in. What about the support that you get as uh, the backup, like Greg mentioned, in Los Angeles is a difficult problem. How is it in Massachusetts? Well, well, I think um, one thing that Greg mentioned was um, the, the law enforcement that is um, at the disposal of, of the prosecution, and I, and I think that is, is the biggest difference is that, you know, they've got you know, uh, an entire police force out there that helps them with the investigation of the case. Um, getting witnesses, you know, to court, getting in touch with witnesses. Um, obviously, we don't have any of that. Um, you know, we have, you know, we have a few 
investigators. We might have one for each office, which could you know range anywhere from five to ten to twelve attorneys. Um, and, the, and the investigators get pretty overloaded um, pretty quickly. And, and certainly, you know, with each uh, attorney in the office having you know thirty-five to forty cases, and you know maybe you have ten attorneys for one investigator, that could be four hundred cases. They certainly can't go out and do everything. So, so yeah, we just try and, and scramble and uh, do the investigation on our own. We have some students do it, but um, it's not like having the police go out and do it for you. I'm wondering, Josh, you mentioned the, the fact that court-appointed attorneys in Massachusetts were able to get an increase last year. It, it wasn't easy. They, there was a, a lot of lobbying, a lot of effort, and, and almost, almost what some people call the work stoppage on their part before they got the legislature to pay attention. Uh, what can be done uh, about the issue of uh, public defender salaries? Is, is there a way to uh, bring them more in equity with other salaries in the profession? Well, we've got people uh, in our agency, you know, at the, at the top level, who are working really hard with the legislature right now to um, to, to bring that up. And, and again, the issue for us, for for the staff, public defenders, is that we're just not paid fairly with any other um, state attorney. Um, there is some legislation that's that's in the uh, in the legislature right now um, that that would provide some money. The Senate passed a version. Um, back in the fall that, that would provide enough money to bring us up to parity. Um, the House passed a version that, that wouldn't give us that money, and they're trying to work it out in committee. So, um, you know, I, I think um, working with the legislature is, is the main thing. We don't have the same option of um, not taking cases the way that the private attorneys had, had to at, at one point, and, and that really forced the issue because when the private attorneys weren't taking the cases, you had – you know, defendants who were getting held without lawyers, and that was a real constitutional crisis. And, um, you know, eventually the legislature responded to that. Unfortunately for us, as, as staff attorneys, we don't have that same option. So we really, um, uh, the best thing we can do is just make our case to the legislators. Craig, what's I, your... Can I step in here for a moment? Sure. Greg, you have to... You know, I will have to tell you, we've fought these battles here in Los Angeles and in California, and um, we've had some success. And the truth is, I, I hate to be a you know, the, the bear of good tidings, but we get paid far better salaries here than, than I'm hearing out there in Missouri or, or Massachusetts. Uh, the starting salaries aren't phenomenal. They're in the 50s, low 50s, I think maybe the high 40s. Uh, when I started, it was 42, and that was 11 years ago. But we top out at this point at uh, over $140,000. Um, now, California's got a fairly high standard of living, so that, that, that doesn't get you the same things that it does in Missouri, obviously. But um, it's, it's a good salary, and... Um, and you know we 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 make do with a lot of the you know we've made do with a lot of technological innovations that have, that have enabled us to get by with less staff, and we've gone unavailable. The public defenders they created a second public defender's office in L.A., and the first public defender's office started going unavailable on a large number of cases, saying we just don't have the staff to deal with it. And when the county had to start hiring public uh, you know private lawyers to handle these cases, that really forced their hand. So there is there is things that can be done. Um, another thing is when when the county when we receive parity with the DA's office, uh, that made a huge difference because the DAs have the ability to really make a lot of pressure in the public um, that we can't. You know, we can't really stand out there and say, "Hey, pay more for criminal defense lawyers," because really the public doesn't care. But when prosecutors stand up and say, "We need more money to put the criminals away," that makes a difference. And as long as we have parity with them, we can ride their coattails. Craig, what are your caseloads like? What's my caseload like? Yeah. 
Um, well, I'm, I, my, I, I have I have a sort of serious caseload in that I get um, I have death penalty cases and uh, and other special circumstance murders. Usually, my caseload is at around 15 cases or so. How does uh, but it I range would say in your at office? least half of those people are looking at life in prison. How does it range in the rest of your office? Uh, Felony-wise, the most you'll ever see is about 25 to 30. Uh, there's two public defenders' offices, like I said. I work in the what was created as the second one, so they didn't have to hire uh, as many private lawyers. They they have a slightly lower caseload, but a thicker caseload. The main public defender's office, sometimes they have up to the 30s, um, but they'll have less serious cases uh, mixed in there as well. In misdemeanors, you see sometimes caseloads up to 100 or so. Bob Spangenberg, I noticed on, on your website, I think it was, a, a report uh, from New York this week. New York's no. Chief Justice uh, right. called the situation there a crisis, right. re- alluding to a report. Uh, what's your take on, on is California and, and Namely, what, what can be done? It's, uh, it's, Cal- it's California and the rest of the country. Uh, and that's primarily because counties are very important in California, uh, more so than other states. And the pay... Professional pay is good for professionals that work in California, and and there's no other state or county in the country that can match that kind of salary. Uh, but in Massachusetts, for example, uh, there was a huge increase in the appropriation last year. That was due uh, in in part because of two lawsuits that were brought, and uh, the legislature uh, got concerned about those lawsuits. But they added a hundred new public defenders, and and almost doubled the rate of compensation for court-appointed counsel, but they didn't raise the salaries for the existing public defenders, which is the one major piece that's missing. Now, in Massachusetts, there is also parity between DAs and public defenders, but DAs uh, must live a low life uh, because they will, not raise, they will not raise their salaries sufficiently to bring the public defenders into the real world. Well, the DAs in Massachusetts can go above the, the, the salary scale that you mentioned, as I understand it. There, there's some discretion to pay some of the senior lawyers in the DA's yeah. office. Yeah, if they get grant funds, other grant funds. But I don't think they can do it out of the regular state appropriation. Well, Josh, with the number of caseload, the amount of cases that you have in your caseload, how does that, how does that affect the morale in your office? Um, it, 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 it's a challenge at times. You know, uh, I think, you know, one of the, the attractions of doing this work is um, being able to do it with, with like-minded people. So um, it's great support to, you know, to be able to work with the other attorneys in your office, and we do our best to, to keep the morale up. But um, you know, when it comes down to it, I think we, we often feel like um, we, there, you always feel like there's something else that you could do in, in every case. Um, and certainly we, you know, we work really hard and we work a lot more hours than we're expected to to make sure that our clients get the, the best representation possible. Um, you know, but we'd be able to do even more if you know, we had lower caseloads. Well, but are, are they getting the best representation possible? I mean, I understand that the people in your office are working as hard as they can, but, but do, do you have the resources available to you in terms of being able to pay for you know, experts and, and investigations and, and uh, put the time into the cases that, that will allow them to get the best representation? In other words, are, are, the, are the clients, to some extent, the victims of this? Uh, I, I think that there, there certainly is an argument to that. I, you know, we, we don't have a problem getting experts, um, you know that there is funds for that. It's, it's you know that's not affected by you know the the low salaries that we have. Um, but you know when it comes down to it, you, you could do more if you, if you had less cases. I mean I mean that's just a simple fact that you can't avoid. Um, 
So, you know, I don't want to say, obviously, that we're, that we're not doing everything we can for our clients because we are, but we could do more if we, if we had fewer clients and we'd have more attorneys if we got paid better. Well, there's really, I mean, there's a perception in our system that, that uh, people who have a lot of money are able to, you know, in effect, buy, <laughs> buy better representation. And whether that's true or not, uh, it's certainly the perception of a lot of people. I would say it's un- and this is Greg Apt. I would say that's untrue in many respects. Um, the fact of the the, the, the re- strange anomaly with with criminal law is that most people don't understand it. People who get arrested have no clue what they're getting into, and they hear the name of a lawyer. You can be the most sophisticated, wealthy person in the world, but if you get arrested, you're helpless. And you hire the first person whose name that gets thrown to you is somebody who's somewhat reputable, and they may not be that good. And I've found, at least in, in Los Angeles County, public defenders are very, very competent, very good lawyers, do a great job on their cases, work hard, are dedicated, and, and, and know what they're doing. And private lawyers, for the most part, do, but you don't always get that same level of competency. You don't have the same supervision. You don't have the same level of support among the private bar. So I, I don't think that, you know, if, if you hire the very best, if, you hi- if you're O.J. Simpson and you hire a dream team like he hired, you're going to get better representation. That's all there is to it. But if you're your typical person who's, got, who's well off, who gets a case, you're going to do not that much better with a private lawyer unless you choose very wisely. Well, I, I, would, I would echo that as well. Um, you know, lots of times we have clients who qualify for uh, a court-appointed lawyer because they're, they're determined to be indigent and then somehow... Um, a family member may step in and, and put up some money and go hire a private lawyer. And in a lot of cases, um, you know, that's always their right, but they might not be getting quite as good representation as the, you know, the public defendant that they had. So, um, aren't a lot of yeah. private, aren't a lot of the private lawyers though, former district attorneys and former public defenders that have struck out on their own? A, a, a good number of them are, you know, and and a lot of the private lawyers are obviously, you know, really talented. It just, you know, it depends on. I, I think the point is just. Just because you're paying for your lawyer doesn't mean you're going to get better representation. Can I tell you, this, this is Greg Apt again, can I tell you something strange that's happening in Los Angeles County due to the fact that we've fought a lot of battles to get good pay and the creation of the second public defender's office has dried up a lot of court appointments. Many private lawyers are applying to our offices to, uh, to, get, to, to get work. Uh, we, you know, we, we pay well enough and you don't have the struggle um, and, and they recognize that they're working with the, some of the finer lawyers. So we don't have some of the same retention problems that other that other public defenders offices have, and we have very good lawyers and and well adequate adequate pay. I th- I think you have to understand that California is really by itself, and they have a terrific system and well financed and all, but there are other parts of the country that are just horrible. Um, and and New York, for example, the the pay for private court appointed counsel was $25 an hour out of court and $40 an hour in court with a 900 cap on the misdemeanor and 1500 cap on the felony. And that's uh, outrageous. And I, I tell you, you work in New York City, uh, and we were involved in a lawsuit that, that finally solved this in New York City, uh, but you think about those, you wonder who you're going to get. Well, you're going to get lawyers who operate out of the back of their car that don't have a um, uh, don't have internet, don't have uh, computerized legal research, have nothing, have no staff, have no office, and um, what you expect is what you get. And I think what Bob says is right. I mean, we are what we have here, and what I read about going on in the South, in the in the Midwest, and it sounds to me even like in the big cities like New York and, and Boston, is is just a completely different situation. I think there's real problems with representation there. All right, we're going to take a short break. Please, uh, we'll be back with you in just a second for some, for some final thoughts. 
Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. Check out J. Craig Williams' blog at mayitpleasethecourt.com. Likewise, Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and of course, a healthy dose of wit and humor. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. This is Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. Our guests today are Robert Spangenberg, president of the Spangenberg Group, Josh Haney from the Massachusetts Public Defender's Office, and Los Angeles Public Defender Greg Apt. And Josh, uh, before we get started, I just want to find out when you're going to move to California. All right. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something you've got to always consider, you know, especially I think the big problem is when um, people get a little bit older, get time to buy a house and, and raise a family, you sort of reach that, that point where you, you have to decide whether you can keep doing this work for the rest of your life. I mean, I'm listening to Greg tell the story of what things are out here and, and some of the horror stories I'm hearing from Bob and thinking that why would I want to work in Missouri or in Massachusetts or New York? And it snows here to top it all off. Uh, Bob, Bob Spangenberg, I mean, you've yeah. been studying this for for decades uh, now, and, and uh, I mean, what's, you, what's your take? I mean, you've, you've set out the problem, but, but ta- do you have take- any proposals for what can be done to address it in, in those states other than California? My, ta- my take is, except for California, get state funding. Uh, if you get state funding, you're uh, in every state but California. You're much better off than having county funding. And second, litigate, litigate, litigate. Litigate these issues of overload and uh, and ethical responsibilities and requirements. And there were a number of cases that have been litigated on this, and most of them have been won. So they need to fight for it. They're not going to yeah. get it without fighting. You have to. You have to. Well, Bob, do you see any kind of turnaround anytime soon? Yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think a lot of good things have happened over the last five years. Uh, Georgia has a whole new system that is, is, is great. Uh, Texas is coming along. Uh, and, and all this is either because of litigation or uh, the state bar and uh, local folks get together and just and just hammer it out and fight like hell. Well, Josh, do you see this as any kind of a uh, Sixth Amendment issue? Um, 
I mean, in I, Massachusetts, I, do you really have an effective right of counsel? Well, what what it came down to, um, you know, when when you if you never got to the point where we didn't have enough people willing to take the cases, that's that's when it would become a Sixth Amendment issue. Uh, that's when it became an issue with with the private lawyers. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're quite at that point now. Since uh, private lawyers did get a pay raise, they do take the majority of the court-appointed cases out here as it stands right now. Um, you know, I, I just want to say I think, in spite of the low pay, um, uh, you know, the Committee for Public Counsel Services out here in Massachusetts we're, we're, is doing an amazing job for the clients. I'm really proud to work here. I'm inspired by the, the attorneys I work with. I think the real problem is the unfairness of being paid. Um, so much lower than other state attorneys being paid, so much lower than uh, people who go to big law firms, you know, um, you know, where the difference of pay is $100,000 a year. And I, and I think that's unfortunate. I think, that, I think that it's the attorneys who are bearing the brunt of it more than the clients at this point, although that certainly could become an issue if we didn't have enough attorneys willing to take the cases. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's questioning the the ability of the attorneys, and, and just to make that clear, I mean, I just noticed, for instance, this week, Judith Kay, the chief justice in New York, and her remarks uh, talked about caseload as, as an issue there and what impact caseload has on the ability of attorneys to give, uh, you know, the time necessary to each individual case. And so obviously that's going to vary from state to state, but, but caseload uh, is a concern, I would think. It is in a great many states, and we're not talking about California and Massachusetts, but uh, we travel all the time, and uh, we, come, we come across uh, states where lawyers are doing a 1,000 misdemeanors a year, uh, and they don't know one client from another. And, and the, uh, the fact of life is that they are violating the ethical requirements and violating the Constitution in those states. They may be good people, but, uh, and they are good people. That's exactly what's happening. Well, Greg, it sounds to me like what you did in California was almost a strike where you said, you know, we're at capacity, we can't take any more, and you forced the county to uh, hire another set of, another, essentially establish another law firm of public defenders. Is that really what happened? How did it work, and how well, can that model be applied the, to other states? I don't know if the establishment of the other office was, was, was as a result of our action. I think that was a result of the county getting tired of paying large sums of money to private lawyers, who were, some of whom were fleecing the system. But the public defender's offices have uh, fought battles in the past and uh, have made stands that said we're not taking cases that are beyond a certain level per lawyer. Uh, so this is the number of lawyer cases a lawyer can handle per year, and if we're above that number, we're just not going to take any more cases. And, and they started going unavailable, and, and, and that made a huge difference. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, it's, 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 it's paradise here in California compared to other places, it sounds like, but I've seen what our juvenile system works like here and the panel system with those juvenile lawyers um, who handle those cases. And I don't think you need to have a complete absence of a lawyer to have a Sixth Amendment issue. I've seen Sixth Amendment issues personally with the uh, juvenile panel lawyers who, who are grossly incompetent in many cases. There's good ones, but some of them are just horrendous. And um, the fact that, and, and I recognize that that happens for adults with very severe consequences all around the country. And I think that, uh, that, that to the extent that these public defenders are fighting those battles in these other places, it is an admirable goal, an admirable job that they're doing. Um, I feel almost like I'm pampered out here. Well, Josh, as we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I just want to say I think, I think this is a great job. I would encourage anybody who's out there in law school um, to think about applying it. You get to work with Great people you get in the court right away. Uh, I think you just, you know, if you're coming to work in Massachusetts, at least at this point, you need to be prepared to 
to live with a little bit less. Um, and 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 hopefully, you know, with the legislature's help, we're going to get that that cleared up soon, so that um, so that we are getting paid a little bit more. Not not like in the private firms, but something that um, at least is a livable wage. Bob Spangenberg, any final thoughts from you before? We... Yeah, I, I'm overall encouraged uh, by what I see in some states and. One of the best things to do is to talk about another state when you're in the one that has the biggest problem and tell them what's going on, what's, do, what's, what's going on, how people are solving their problems. That, that can be very helpful. All right. Well, thank you very much to our three guests. Uh, it's been a great conversation. We've enjoyed having you. Robert Spangenberg, president of the Spangenberg Group, Josh Haney from the Mass Public Defenders Committee for Punk, Committee for Public Counsel Services and Los Angeles Public Defender Greg Apt. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hear ye, hear ye. Now from the legal blogosphere, this week's legal nuggets, insights, and worthy trivia, you be the judge. Craig, I understand you uh, had some interesting developments in California. Well, there was just a case that came down on Friday from our local appellate district here in Santa Ana, and they issued an opinion that's somewhat reminiscent of the Trevor Law Group decision where they attacked the unfair business practices in California uh, Business and Professions Code, Section 17200. That was an attack that was brought on by the Attorney General, who also mounted an attack in a Proposition 65 case. Proposition 65 is the statute in California that requires uh, signs to be posted just about everywhere, which almost renders them meaningless, that says that uh, there are chemicals known in this building or wherever to contain chemicals that cause cancer, birth defects, and other reproductive harm. Essentially, though, one of the attorneys that uh, is established a uh, consumer group uh, that was somewhat related to his law firm, and then in the uh, when the attorney general challenged the settlement, which paid some $540,000 to the uh, attorney for uh, the prosecution of a number of cases against apartment owners, the apartment owners were able to get for that money a rather broad expansive release that protected them from Proposition 65 lawsuits for just about everything. The Attorney General thought that the settlement and the notices uh, that led to the lawsuits were so vague that they were under, not understandable. And the appellate court just ripped the daylights out of the attorney, uh, accusing him of falsifying records, uh, accusing him of a significant number of things. But I think it got led off by the lawsuit uh, in the beginning where it's in, in the appellate court, he said, I'm a bounty hunter and this statute was made for me. And the appellate court justice said, essentially, well, we'll get to who the statute was made for, intimating uh, and actually saying later in the opinion that it was the general public and not the attorney. So that was a, a rather significant case and probably, uh, the, I think, the beginning of the downfall of prosecution of uh, private attorney general Proposition 65 lawsuits. That is important. Uh, that's noteworthy. There's a, a, a case from, from Massachusetts that was of some interest this week uh, on a law practice issue because it addressed this question, question of multi-jurisdictional practice and specifically the question of whether an out-of-state attorney can practice in Massachusetts uh, uh, for the purpose of, uh, of uh, representing a party in an arbitration hearing. 
unfortunately, the case, the court, the SJC, the High Court in Massachusetts, kind of sidestepped answering the question, deciding that uh, it didn't have to answer the question because there weren't grounds otherwise to, to vacate the arbitration award. Uh, but it did say, it did make note of the fact that there is a, a committee in Massachusetts looking into this question of uh, whether out-of-state attorneys can represent parties in arbitrations in Massachusetts without violating the un- unauthorized practice statute. So uh, that's of interest uh, uh, to uh, anybody interested in multi-jurisdictional practice, but uh, yet to be resolved here. So I guess if you're an out-of-state attorney in Massachusetts, you might want to be very careful about conducting an arbitration. That's right. I mean, it comes up a lot in commercial and securities cases here, uh, you know, less so on sort of run-of-the-mill employment and labor arbitrations, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a common practice. That's because Massachusetts is so, so near so many other states. Uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, unlike California, where the size of one of our counties is the size is actually bigger than the state of Massachusetts. That's right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today, Bob. Uh, we I think we had a great discussion on public defenders and a little recap of the legal blogosphere. Well, good talking to you as always, Craig. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks a lot. See you then. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.